Hi everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, <clears throat> a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change perception about those circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everyone heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. It is a rainy day in South Florida, but boy, is it beautiful because we really need the rain. So to my friends in Canada, I hope it's not too hot. I see that there's a real heat, stri heat streak going on out west. Um, but we're doing just fine down here, and it's a beautiful, beautiful day. So before we get started with our international guest today, I just want to say, last week I mentioned to you that my good friend Marty Ward had gone into the hospital. Well, on Saturday when I was putting together last week's show, I got a message that Marty had passed away. So I want to just dedicate a little bit of time to Marty and to her mission of building confident kids and stopping bullying around the world. She was um, she had a marvelous mission and I encourage you to go and look at our, our YouTube video of Marty's uh, Marty's show that when I interviewed her a few months ago. Um, so Marty, wherever you are, my darling, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done for the children of the world. And one other thing that happened this week is I was interviewed on a podcast called Whispers and Bricks. And the, the host it was a survivor of 9-11. He was on the 76th floor or something of one of the towers, the first tower that was hit. And he's one of three people in his organization of 600 and something who survived. It was an amazing, just an amazing podcast. And for 20 years, he's been speaking up about 9-11 and what happened so that people don't forget and so when that podcast comes out, I really encourage you to, to listen to it and go to his website. It's called Whispers and Bricks. His name is Ari Schoenbrunn. Incredible man. I will have him on my show in uh, the end of July, I believe, uh, because he has a special, a special message to those that have, you know, might be going through survivor guilt, uh, which I think all of us do at some point if we've survived something that other people have not. So... Thank you, Ari, for that, for Whispers and Bricks. Thank you, Marty, for all that you did for me. And I'm sending hugs to you around from all the girls at WPN and from those of us around the world. But today, guys, we're going to move on to my special guest who's coming to us live from Ecuador. So may I please introduce to you Miss Yuri Bermudez. Yuri, are you there? <laughs> I'm right here. Thank you no. for that. Introduction, Debbie. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you're here, and you know, you sound like you're right next door, which is always amazing to me that with the technology we have, that we can reach across the borders and just make some extraordinary connections with people. I want to tell people a little bit about you, but first off, I met Yuri 
through a friend of mine, actually another Women's Prosperity Network connection, Sharon Frame. Sharon is down in Ecuador. She is getting, was getting her master's. She might have gotten it by now. And is teaching at the university in Quito. And she WhatsApped me one day. And it's funny because I don't usually go on WhatsApp. And she said, Deb, I have this friend. I want you to meet her. And for months, I think, Yuri and I kept going back and forth, back and forth. And we couldn't connect. And then finally we did. And what a blast we've had since. It's like, again, one of my sisters by other misters, you guys, and she's just wonderful. So a little bit about Yuri. She's a speaker, a coach, a trainer with the John Maxwell Global Team. She has a TEDx talk, and go on to, to YouTube and, and listen to that talk. She's got 15 years in uh, marketing, strategy, communications, 10 years working with senior level executives in the United States, Europe, and international sites. She's worked with multinational companies. She's got experience in Latin America and South America and in America, everywhere. But she is a woman on a mission. And it's just like you and me. She's had those ups and downs. And I'm really glad to have her here. So here again, welcome, welcome, welcome to Stand Up and Speak Up. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Wow, what a, an amazing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, I love to share what other people do. And the way we start the show is having you tell us a little bit about you. And you and I talked about this, a little bit about, about your background, where you came from, where you grew up, what your family's like. Time's yours. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. And, and, and everybody, you're just, just welcome. Uh, so I'm originally from Nicaragua. And uh, it was back in the days, 1979, there was a, a civil war in Nicaragua. So that meant we... We left Nicaragua to go to Rhode Island. That's where my oldest brother was getting his master's in engineering at the time. Uh, we were there for a couple of years, and eventually we came to Costa Rica to live. Uh, so I'm the youngest and the only girl of a family of four. Uh, one thing I, I remember about my, my earlier years is, that, as I say, that there was a lot of water around us. I was... <laughs> would go every single day to, 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 to swim at the swim team. And they, every Sunday of our lives, we would go water skiing. There was a beautiful uh, lagoon in Nicaragua. And uh, so every day we would take our water skis and a small boat, and we would go uh, water skiing to this, to this place where we had a very small, very small house. Uh, I had beautiful parents. My dad passed away four years ago. My mom's still alive. Uh, they were always just uh, such an amazing example of, uh, of a steady, loving couple. Uh, one thing I specifically remember about them is they never, ever raised their voices to each other. No bad words, no nothing. Lots of peace around the house. And, uh, well, when I lived in Rhode Island, uh, when, I, when I got there, this was for my sophomore year, uh, I didn't speak uh, English. I didn't speak any, any English at the time. We were always, we had always been very, really good students in our family. And, uh, but something really funny happened to me when I got there. We had this interview with the director of Classical High School in Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> and so I, I tell him my name, and my, my full name has eight letters in it. And I tell him, and, and he says, could you spell your name for me? And I go by, by, a, by a nickname, which is only four letters, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I think I've never spelled my name before, out loud <laughs> even. And uh, so I couldn't even spell my name. That's how, 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 how poor my English was at the time. He made sure I, I, I took this uh, uh, entry uh, test 
to see if I was eligible and 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 okay to to go into the into high school. But uh, so it all ended up being okay in the end. But that's just a little bit about uh, uh, my background, just to. By not speaking English, though, when you came when you were in school, did that did you hide a little bit, or how how did you how did you deal with the kids uh, while you were learning English, or did you pick it up pretty quickly? So we took this three month uh, English as a second language course, but uh, mm -hmm. no, it was it was uh, you know what the, the it was the difference in culture was actually what uh, what was hard for me to take in. I was coming from uh, Nicaragua, Managua, the capital, which was a pretty uh, just a easygoing, laid back, parochial kind of an environment, uh, very familiar to me, and then coming into the states just a a lot of it was like a, like a big uh, world in front of my eyes that I didn't really know well how to handle it. So I, I think in a way I I, I chose to to become uh, uh, invisible to the rest of the people. Just uh, I think that's that's a little bit of what happened. Not not so much because of the language, though I would say. Just because of where you you, you felt different. I felt different, and I was being exposed to a lot of things that typically I wasn't exposed in in Nicaragua, mm -hmm. uh, drugs and things like that. And uh, so I think I just chose to be on the on the on the safer side of things. Did your brothers protect you? Were they? I mean, I have three I have three brothers, and mine mine were somewhat of protectors, but I I became one of the boys, so I didn't I didn't date a lot because all my friends were guys. Because, ah. of, because of my brothers. So was uh -huh. that, did your brothers bring other guys around that became brothers or, you know, when you wanted to date, that, especially one of them, it becomes a little uncomfortable. I think because of those same uh, reasons that I mentioned, I, uh, I, I really needed a healthy environment around me. And I think I just uh, opted for not dating anybody, not really uh, wanting to pursue any relationship at the time. Uh, also, my parents left. We stayed with a beautiful family in Rhode Island in, in Providence, and that meant that I uh, that I didn't have my my support around me. I mean, I had my two two of my brothers with me, but uh, it was it was a lot to take in, to be honest, at the time. Uh, no friends, no no familiar sights, not having my parents around. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much what happened to me. Well, that's tough. I mean, I went away to school when I was 15, and so I, I know what it was like to be away from parents. And sometimes you do things that you probably shouldn't have done or you wouldn't have done if you were at home. Um, did you find yourself in any, in any situations that, you know, your mom and dad might have said, mm, you shouldn't have done that? <laughs> Not that you're going to need to mess up now. but Interestingly enough, I, I, I kind of self-protected. I think I... I chose not to to be in those environments, not to yeah, not to go to those places. But the the the, the, the tough part to that was that I I was pretty much on my own. So that was uh, that was a hard time. Yeah. And so once you finished, you were in high school. Then what? Where did you go on after that? Did you go back south or university? I'm not quite sure where you. So I finished there, and then from there we went to Costa Rica. Uh, okay. My dad, my, my parents, my dad was a diplomat all his life, and uh, uh, when we left, uh, the basis for the organization he was in was in Nicaragua, but then they moved this one to Costa Rica. So we all went to Costa Rica, and then I finished my high school uh, there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and I lived there uh, for pretty much the rest of my life 
until now that my husband and I we've been here uh, uh, with two of our kids who've been in, in Ecuador for the past three to four years now. Yeah. Okay. Well, Costa Rica is on my on my list of places to go. I I originally actually I still do have a little bit of investment in some trees down there, but that went south a few years ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I ended, and unfortunately I ended up selling some of them. Um, you know, in, you, you and I have talked about when I was scammed. Um, I ended up selling some of my investments down in Costa Rica to support my scammer guy, not knowing that it was a scam. Um, and I, I I wish I obviously woulda, coulda, shoulda, uh, wish I hadn't have done that. Um, they were teak trees down in Costa Rica and, and my my first husband went down before he invested in, in um, he actually got this old Jeep and went trucking up through the through the plantations and he came home and said Costa Rica was one of the prettiest places he'd ever been and he traveled a lot. So, oh, so I hope it's in everybody's bucket list. Yep. <laughs> one day, one day, and I think um, I think CJ, my my husband, uh, I hate to say my current husband, my last husband, uh, CJ went down and he loved Costa Rica. He he uh, had gone down with his family years ago, and um, done some diving and that kind of stuff. And so we'll go down and go zip lining or something, do some fun stuff. So <laughs> okay, so now we've grown up and you've. You're getting married, first time. Love of your life. Where Where did you meet your your husband? You're, you're giving it away. You already said the first time. <laughs> oh well, no, because you said you're li- <laughs> you said you're living in Costa Rica in, in in Ecuador with your husband. I guess I did give it away, but so did so did the promotions of the show. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's all right. Sorry, no, tell I me. interrupted. You were asking. Sorry. Go ahead. No, tell me. How did you get married? I was what 24 years of age I had been uh, going with him for like six years already and uh, <coughs> so we bless you we were how'd you meet him thank you uh, I met him mm, that's an interesting question because I met him in Nicaragua and I saw him again uh, in Costa Rica so he uh, I think he, he 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 said that through his he was visiting in Costa Rica because he was originally from El Salvador, and his dad his dad was living in Costa Rica at the time and said that he had that he knew that we were there, and that he remembered us back from the days when we used to go to the swim team in Nicaragua, and so he says he looked up my name in like five pages of the uh, the phone book until he finally found me mm-hmm. and gave me a call and that's how we that's how we saw each other again yeah. So you, excuse me, you dated for a while before you got married? A lot, yeah, a six lot. years. We get married. We were married for like 25 years. Uh, me, a woman of faith, we were leaders at a, at, a, at a local church, at a local vineyard church. Then after those 25 years of marriage, one day he just, he just came, uh, he came to me and he said, I don't want to be, I don't think I want to be married anymore. Okay, well, before we go there... Let's go back. Now, I was married for almost 26 years, <clears throat> so I know that we have the ups and the downs. Anybody's been married for more than a week, I always say it. There are, <laughs> there are gives and takes. So there's no 50-50, right? How, did, you, did you know early on that, that there was some trouble, or did you just think that it was, everything was great? What, what was your assessment? Now, looking back, obviously, 2020 vision, um, when you were in the middle of it, how did you feel about what was going on? No, that, uh, I heard Michelle Obama the other day said, uh, she said, uh, so when you're married for 50 years, 
you know that you will have 20 amazing years. And then the <laughs> and then meaning that the other 30 are going to be troublesome and difficult. So in my case, I, out of those 25 years, I would say the first seven years were uphill all the way. And then we had seven really good years. And then we had seven really hard years in the end. So, uh, so again, if I add him up, I think she's right. It would have been seven, seven good years, and then 15 were very tough. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Tough. Be and did you, did you hide behind that? I mean, I, there were so many times when I think, looking back, that I put that smile on and wanted the world to know that everything was fine. But inside, I, I knew that there were some things that were not so fine. Did you ever feel that way? You see, it's interesting because uh, to me, coming from such a, uh, uh, a background where I mentioned that I had amazing parents and just a, a, a strong relationship, I think when I married, I, it, was, it was conviction, it was decision, it was uh, commitment. Uh, to stay married for the rest of my life, uh, mm -hmm. it, regardless of whatever happened, it was it was going to be for for better and for worse, and it was going to be till the end. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think I I, I I I took it in stride. I understood that's how it was going to be. So um, I didn't I didn't I didn't think of it in terms of uh, is this hard or is this easier? Is this what? I just thought of it as. This is it, and and uh, and it's commitment. Mm -hmm. And and as I mentioned, being a woman of faith, uh, I would have I would have been in it for, you know, ups and downs until the end. And, and yeah, exactly. And and at one point, you were actually leading a group of divorced women at church, right? But you were you were married. So how did how did that go? Yeah, so I was leading a group of divorced women. Uh, and it, interestingly enough, it, it was kind of like in, in those uh, year and a, two years, uh, last year and a half of my marriage. And uh, so in the beginning, I had, like I mentioned to you, really no idea what I was doing. I mean, I remember praying for them, and uh, but I was I was praying from a married woman point of view, not understanding the the, the least uh, uh, of what they were going through. I mean. Uh, the different emotions, the different uh, challenges, the different uh, circumstances that they could have been living, uh, which uh, definitely was a different story once I myself separated and, and got uh, divorced. Uh, then I knew what empathy was like, and I, I, I could definitely identify with those situations. What was the goal of that group? Was it just so that they could talk to each other to flush things out or were you there to encourage them to get through it and there's marriage on the other side I mean I'm just kind of curious just so no it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a divorced women group per se it was just a women's group and, okay, uh, okay. And in it, it happened to you know to, we happened to have like seven out of 15 women that were that were divorced at the time yeah okay which is really interesting because so many of our churches, and our, mine included, is so family-oriented, and the programs are geared towards families, but at, when you look at it, um, the demographics have changed. And in, in the churches, and I mean in a congregation, let's say, you'll have a certain percentage of families that are there, you'll have a certain percentage of divorcees that are there, and then those that are widowed. 
and then those that are single. So there's so many. I think there's probably three to one now that they're they're not married, that they are single, and things mm -hmm. are changing. Um, and it, but as you and I talk too, when you are in one of those quote unquote single groups, widowed, single, divorced, whatever. It's a little bit different. Did you feel it? So we've moved on now because you, you taught that for, you taught that group for a year and a half. And then tell me the story of your husband coming in and what he said. Uh, yeah. So like I said, uh, one day, uh, I remember it was an Easter week and he said, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be part of this relationship anymore. Uh, for like a week and a half or so, he had been, uh, down, not wanting to eat. Uh, he he was obviously very, you know, behaving uh, differently. And then uh, he, that's what he said to me. Um, uh, yeah. So that, I mean that it, it's hard to say. I, I think it took me by surprise. But in retrospect, if I if I look at the years prior to that, I I could say, I mean. It could have gone either way. It could have taken me by surprise or not taken me by surprise because it could have been one of those uh, period of years where things were difficult and then things would have gotten better. But I think overall, I, I would say that, yes, it did, it did take me by surprise. So when you heard that, though, what were your initial impressions now? What were you going to do? Because you could hide or you could get really angry. Uh, I think uh, it wasn't hiding and it wasn't getting angry. It was it was confusion. Mm. It was not understanding. It was uh, uh, heavy sadness, uh, basically. Mm. I would say. I mean, um, and 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 it was difficult. It was difficult because he he didn't want to be there, and I and I wanted. To, I mean, I I did everything that was in my hands to to save the relationship but uh at one point it became very clear that he had uh, determined in his mind that he was he was going to move forward and he said i think you should do the same thing too so one of the hardest things for me i would say debbie is me being a woman of faith i re i think it was it was the faith part probably that was one of the hardest things because i i remember talking to God and saying, but Lord, you, you spoke to Joseph in a dream, you know, nothing is impossible with you. You could do anything you want. So why don't you just talk to this guy, you know, and, and put some sense into, into him and, uh, and uh, so things will change. I think that was one of the hardest things. And then uh, one of the, the greatest teachings for me was to understand that it really takes three to tango in, in, in the sense that God and me is not enough. I mean, you really need the other person to want to continue in the relationship. And, uh, and that's what I finally understood. Yes, faith. Yes, God. Yes, everything is possible. But if the other person involved is not wanting to, to continue to, to pursue, to, to move forward with the relationship, I mean, you know, nothing will happen. It, 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 it's not possible. So uh, although all things are possible with God, that is not possible when men don't want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so now you have the real empathy for the, the half of the women in your group, but are, are you still leading the group at that point? Or where did that do with you in, in your leadership position? So while being separated, I was still leading the group. And I was co-leading the group with somebody else. 
who was going through a very difficult uh, situation at the time also. Mm. So this was immensely, in, incredibly, I mean, uh, hard for me because I was, I was having to lead, but out of a point of, of weakness, uh, really experiencing that phrase that says, you know, when you're weak, you're, then you're strong. But uh, I, I felt really weak. And uh, I was moving forward out of a place of commitment, I would say, more than, and, 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 yeah, and, and, and faith more than any, anything else. But um, Did you get support from your family at this point and friends? I, I, I didn't really come out and, and ask for specific uh, support more than just asking my pastor. I don't really remember specific, specific, the, the specific details right now, but I do remember that in general, once we were separated, uh, it, it was really hard for the people around me. I, 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 I think people inside the church, and maybe now that I think about it in retrospect, even outside the church, don't really know what to do with with uh, with people that are getting divorced. I mean, mm -hmm. it's uh, in, specifically in our case, we both being uh, serving at the church, being leaders at the church. It's like, uh, wait a second, this is so unexpected. What's happening here? Uh, they're married, they're leading groups, and they're now now they're separated. They're getting divorced. I mean, I think it's it's hard for people to understand. And uh, at the, at the time, I'm not able to see that. At the time, I'm just thinking. Where did everybody go? You know what happened. Mm. I mean, uh, where are they hiding? And uh, and that's when you need the, the most support. But I I kind of found myself at a loss of uh, of support at the time, and it was hard dealing with that because I I was not only grieving my marriage, but I was grieving the fact that uh, my friends were not there, and uh, I was having to be there for my daughters, and uh, so it was pulling. At me from every every side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a tough place to be because you don't feel it's like after Lou died too. I didn't feel like part of the family group anymore. I didn't want to be a widow, and I certainly wasn't single. So, and and I think you and I talked too about how friends at that point are thinking, well, now you're the woman that isn't connected to anybody, and they want to make sure that you're not going to hook up with their husbands. And I'm thinking, why would I want to do that? <laughs> heard about them all those years but it did put a strain on friendships like you said because now you're the third wheel and that can be a very lonely place but precisely and everything uh, Debbie it's so unexpected everything is so new I mean everything is just so strange to be honest I mean how can close friends look at me like worried that I'm gonna steal their husbands it's like what <laughs> You know where did that come from? And uh, it's it's that, that and that's where empathy starts also because uh, only as you go through the waters can you really relate to others that have been through the same waters. You know, mm -hmm. but I would have never never even come up with something like this had someone said this to me before, and I would have thought, no, come on, that wouldn't happen. You know, <laughs> no, that's not like that. Um, well, apparently it yeah. does because that is what gets said. <laughs> That's the thing. And then, uh, like I mentioned to you the other day, it's such a myriad of emotions. I mean, all these things that are coming up, and, and I, I would look at me, and I'm thinking, where is all this coming from? This hate, this anger, this, this sadness, this, this feeling of, of impotence, this, this unforgiveness. I mean, it's like, 
it, it was as if it was attacking me, overcoming me. It was coming. I mean, I would have. I had never really experienced such strong emotions before in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the thing that I think it's important for people to understand is that now, as I look in retrospect, you know, that these emotions are normal, and that they will go away. But at the time, you don't you don't know that. At the time, you're just thinking, "Wow, what is this thing? What do I do with this? You know, what a strong emotion this is." Well, and we even talked about how, uh, you know, you have to learn how to open the garage door when the electricity goes out. You know? <laughs> we were talking about the, the things that someone else in the family might do that all of a sudden, heck, you've got to do it. There, did you have any of those, those experiences, though, that perhaps your husband used to take care of things and all of a sudden now it's up to you and what do we do? Well, in my world, I mean, I'm not a feminist or a macho or, you know, or anything. I, in my world, there's things that men, back in those days, there were things that men did and things that women did. I think specifically because my dad was such a such a, a man of all traits, and he would always be there for for me to do anything that I needed. He could do electricity. Being a diplomat was just kind of funny, but he could do electricity. He could do plumbing. He could do uh, electronics and build a house. And so to me, there was just this whole you know, endless list of things that my dad would do, and then I just extrapolated that this is what men do, and this is not what I do. <laughs> so I remember one day I had a meeting, and I was, you know, I was on time, but then electricity goes out, and I can't open the garage door, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, what I would typically do is just say, hey, can you help me with this, you know? And uh, so my, my, my former husband was in there, and I'm like, okay, Yuri, now this is the time. You're being squeezed, and what's going what's gonna to come out of you, you know? And I really needed to get to the meeting, so I just kind of like, did my best to remember what it was that my, my former husband did. So I got this tool, and I got on it. I, I saw this, this piece of wire and this, this, this thing that you needed to pull out. I pulled it out, and the garage opened. I could slide it open, and I'm like, yay, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this, and it was one little thing after the other one that began to empower me. This and the, and, and the physical aspect of things. And I, I tell this joke. I say uh, we have this we had this person in Costa Rica that helped us at the house. And she would come and clean the house, and um, she tells me now, "Hey, uh, you 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 that know how to fix everything, could you come and look <laughs> at the refrigerator?" <laughs> and I always laugh inside because I'm thinking I'm the woman now that fixes everything, and before. I, I just had no idea. I just had no idea how to do anything. And I think it's marvelous how the minute you begin to do these things, you begin to see the logic in them. And uh, and uh, so I always say, God helps me because, you know, I mean, all these things that I never knew of before. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, little by little it begins to work out. Absolutely. And, and I was thinking as, you know, one of daughter of four kids, of three boys, I mean, it's like me too. I, I learned so much from my dad, and I still do. Uh, but right now, YouTube videos are a blessing because you can do anything with a YouTube video. So it just makes me laugh, though, thinking about that garage door because that happened to me one time, too. And it happened to my next-door neighbor who was recently separated, and she comes running over to, how do I get the door open? And I'm like, it's really heavy. It's really heavy when you do that. And then the other thing was, how do I turn the water off because she had a leak, you know, water blasting out of the back of her house. And those are the things thanks to Linda Fostek, my buddy who's always prepared, you've got to know how to do those things. You have to be you know, prepared because somebody may not be around. 
and uh, either divorce or death or whatever, we girls need to be prepared, guys too, but this is a girl show. So <laughs> I, I can just see you lifting, hoisting up that garage door and then going, whew, you know, power woman. So <laughs> after the divorce, because uh, many of our, the listeners are going to be divorced and thinking that they'll never, ever remarry or find a man again, what was your frame of mind? Where did you go from here? So uh, I, <clears throat> the first thing I had to do, I would say, was um, knowing that I had done everything that was in my hands to do, and uh, I, 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 I had to accept the reality. I had to, uh, that, that for me was the first thing, acceptance. You know what has happened has happened. And then I said, I'm going to allow time for grieving, and I'm going to allow for time to be by myself. This was a decision that just came up out of the inside of me. I said, I remember talking to God and saying, Lord, I'm not going to even think of going out with anybody until I feel right inside, until I'm happy inside, until I'm okay with you and you with me, and then I will, I will move forward. Uh, and so this literally took about uh, four years. For years, I remember my friends used to kid around with me saying, it's as if you have a label on your forehead that says, get away, get away. <laughs> don't, don't, you, don't you dare, you know, don't you even consider coming, you know, asking me out. And I would literally get upset when people would come to me and, uh, and, uh, and, and ask me out. But then I, I remembered it was, it was uh, the grieving uh, period was over. There were no more tears to cry. I had basically, uh, uh, and, and, and something else too, I, 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 had, I, had, I had gone through forgiveness, which to me was a, a major thing. Uh, forgiveness that uh, started first in my head. I don't think my emotions were aligned with that, but I remember making the decision. I said, uh, for him and for me, I'm going to forgive uh, because I need to move on. So uh, first, I just, like I said, I just, I just said this is it. Uh, a rational decision, and then slowly but surely the emotions started uh, aligning. And uh, so after after acceptance and after allowing for grieving and for healing and, and choosing to forgive, I remember I said, okay, I love my girlfriends. I love, you know, going out uh, with them for coffee and for lunch and whatever. But I think I need some male company in my life because uh, – uh, I need the balance. So I, I remember I, I called this, this friend of mine. She's actually from Venezuela. It's a bordering country here, very close to uh, Ecuador. And I said, uh, uh, Chama. Chama is a word that Venezuelans used to relate among each other. It's Chama, Chamo. And I said, Chama, I, you know what? I like to meet. Uh, I, 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 like to, I like to have male company in my life. I'm not thinking of going out with anybody, you know, for, for as a boyfriend or, or to marry or anything like that. I just need friends in my life. I remember having, having gone out for lunch with somebody from a, from a board that I was a member of and uh, just listening to how rational and practical and, uh, and to the point he was, I thought, ooh, I really need this back in my life. I need, to I need balance in my life. And that's where it hit me. I'm like, yeah, I really need to, to start uh, meeting new friends. Because really the older friends were still friends, but not, I really didn't see much, much of them anymore. And, did your girlfriends, uh, just briefly, did your girlfriends ever say, hey, like mine did, it's time to get a life? It's time to get out and do stuff? 
not really. No, no. they gave you they gave uh, you the space you needed. I think uh, I mean I was working at the time. I was uh, uh, you know busy in my in, with my time. Uh, I would always go to church. I mean I, I was I, I had enough of a social life. I think to. Uh, I mean, no, but to answer your question, no, okay. not really. Um, so they didn't push yeah. you back into dating. It was you, you got to that point where you just said, it's time. It was me, but I said it's time, and I reiterate, not, not to date. I said it's just time to begin to, to meet uh, uh, new people, uh, you know, men, uh, just to bring a, a bit of balance in my life. And, uh, and then that slowly but surely led to thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going out. And I remember hearing a, 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 an audio. Uh, he's the guy that wrote Boundaries. I don't remember his name. But he's the Christian guy who wrote this book on boundaries. And I remember he suggested, he said, uh, uh, go out with people. I mean, just go out with men in general. It doesn't mean that you have to like him or not. Just go out and date so you, you will find out what it is that you like in the different people. And... Um, and uh, and just you know, uh, don't be specific about it. Just get yourself out there, and uh, so that's what I did. I, I follow the, the instructions, and uh, and then but then like I said, I remember calling this friend, and the and the, the the funny part of the story there is, she says, uh, mm, I said, can you introduce me to somebody? And she said, uh, well, you know, and she pauses, and then she says, oh, I know who I'm going to introduce you to, this guy from Nicaragua. And you know what? You're going to like him because he's really smart. Oh, and you know what, Yudi? He says, oh, I'm sure he's going to be your next couple. He's, he's definitely going to be the one. And I said, what? What are you saying to me? Don't be silly. I haven't even met the guy. And now I'm going to marry him, right? Well, she didn't say marry. She just said uh, he'll, he'll be the next person in your, um, I mean, he'll be your, your partner, your couple. And uh, I don't know what that was. But, uh, I mean, we, we met and we went out for dinner. And then uh, for like a week or two, we didn't see each other. I went to Colombia for a trip. Then I came back. He looked me up, and uh, we started we started just you know going out more frequently. And that's uh, and yes, he did become my 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 husband. <laughs> my, my my husband. Uh, um, what is it? Two years ago. Yeah, but we we had been dating for like uh, six six years already. But yeah, two three years ago we married. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. So the key to this one is you met him through a friend. You met him through a friend. You didn't meet him online. You didn't meet <laughs> You met him through a friend. And that's what I, you know, some people ask how I met my, my husband, CJ, and it was through friends. And one of them happened to be a matchmaker. <laughs> that kind of sounds like your friend. Um, so, so they'd done they'd done some due diligence. They looked at, you know, into seeing who this person was. And uh, so Victor, though, was not necessarily, you know, same background as you, right? Church-going guy, not totally different? <laughs> yeah, totally different. The only background we had in common was the fact that he was originally from Nicaragua. <laughs> he had amazing parents with a, with a wonderful, steady relationship. So he, he, he had this in him. Uh, he had also been divorced from a long marriage. And... Um, but yeah, I mean, at the time, he, I don't know if at the time when I met him, but before I, I met him, he actually considered himself an atheist, uh, just uh, political beliefs completely different, 
Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, or we talk about it now, we say, uh, had we met, you know, 10, 15 years before, or even when we were teenagers, uh, this would have never happened because mm -hmm. uh, uh, because of my Christian background, I, I don't think I would have dated anybody that was not a Christian at the time. And and uh, going through the hard waters really makes you, uh, I don't know, uh, consider different different things, uh, be more open to things, uh, be less legalistic about things. And uh, one of the beautiful things you said was. Uh, you know, uh, you, you are impacting my life with your faith. And when you give me examples of things that happen in your life and you make your faith practical, it really speaks to me. I, I remember, and I think I mentioned this to you, coming out of the, uh, the Stephen Hawkins movie and, uh, and saying to him, you know what, Victor, this reminds me of what, the, I wouldn't even say verse, I would say this reminds me of that one line that says uh, that, uh, men look at the at the appearance, but God looks at the heart. And he looked at me like, wow. He says, oh, wow. If you have more of that, keep it coming. He said, <laughs> I want to be able to, to hear those things uh, based on, 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 on experiences that we're going through, or just life examples, and uh, because that really speaks to my heart. And, uh, well, he himself had had a, an amazing uh, uh, moment uh, with, with, with God like 10 or 15 years before that, it's just that uh, he didn't, he, he told me, I, I, I mean, I had this amazing experience with God, but I didn't really know what to do with that after that. So I, it, it just happened and it was there. So it, at the time he wasn't, he didn't consider himself an, an atheist or anything. He, he believed in God after that one encounter he had with, with, with Jesus specifically. And, uh, and he said, and now you're helping me, you're making it come alive for me. So, uh, so it just really set the path for him to begin to walk on it. And then all these things that we didn't know we had in common uh, began to, to become very apparent, which was, uh, which was our faith, which was our family values and principles. And uh, Congratulations on that and finding another guy. Because um, you can find love a second time. And I, I, I have, and, that, and that's what I want people to know, is that if, if you truly want that, uh, you're going to have to open up your heart, and that we've talked about it. Sometimes it's hard because falling in love is going to have some difficult moments. And if you're going to totally shut yourself out, you know, say I'm, this is never going to happen, it literally will never happen. Um, and so I love the part where you said you just had to give yourself time. You had to give the, those four years to to grow yourself um, and to feel balanced and to feel fine with you. Um, yeah. And I, I think some, sometimes, you know, we, we rush it. Sometimes we just shut it off. Um, so it's really kind of interesting. Now, I'm going to bring in Dr. Tim again. I haven't had Tim on in a couple of weeks. But Tim, um, it turns out, Tim spent time in Costa Rica. And Tim has also been divorced. And so we were talking. Tim is the founder of SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. We were talking recently about uh, divorcees being susceptible to scams. And uh, Yuri, you and I have talked, this is an international problem. Um, but I want Tim to come on just for a couple of minutes and say, you know, Tim, I'd like to introduce you to Yuri, but let's, let's hear what are, what are some of the, the things we have to be careful with, our divorced women need to be careful with, and men, uh, as far as being susceptible to scams. Hola, Yuri. ¿Qué tal? 
Nice to meet you, Tim. <laughs> ¿Qué tal? Pura vida, as we say in Costa Rica. <laughs> sí, absolutamente. Um, I, I left Costa Rica, ironically, at the end of 1978 because of the impending collapse of Nicaragua. Mm. Um, I had a business in Costa Rica that depended upon the land bridge and when Nicaragua was planning on falling, we knew that that business would be destroyed. So, uh, but, uh, but I love Nicaragua. Um, so going back, to, going back to vulnerability, one of the things that you touched upon, which is interesting, a unique phenomenon of, of divorces that I have personally experienced is that the person who makes the decision tends to retain their social network of friends and associates, etc. But the one who is sort of the, the, the recipient who the divorce is done to tends to lose all of their social connections. Friends, uh, everyone becomes distant, especially if so much of your family or your social connections are part of his family or her family as well. So... I was married for 20 years, and, and most of my social circle, from a, from a friend's point of view, were her large family. Lost all of that when that happened. So you get into a point of, of vulnerability, and you people who are divorced tend to look for alternative ways of connecting. And one of those that's very common is online dating or just chatting with people online. The problem with this is that divorcees have significant vulnerability. Your self-confidence is destroyed. You don't know what you're going to do. You possibly are very angry. So you're not in a good place from a decision-making point of view, right? And the result is, is that you can connect with people who are not good for you, or worse, are complete fabrications, complete fake identities whose only goal is to steal your money, whatever that may happen to be. So this is actually what happened to me, too, because uh, my marriage ended in 98, Um, I think the divorce was final in 2000. And as a result, like any stupid guy, I was out there on Internet dating sites and looking around and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, so to speak, while at the same time I also had a daughter who wasn't living with me and dealing with all of those challenges. Um, I moved, you know, about... uh, five hours away from where my daughter lived. So every weekend I was in the car and going down to her. But the challenges are that you don't know who you can trust because to a large extent, the trauma of divorce, in my own experience, takes a long time to sort out. Trauma of any nature is very problematic and we deal with that a great amount in our organization helping traumatized scam victims recover some sense of a normal life. And 
divorced people go through exactly the same thing, especially when it's not your decision, when it's thrust upon you. It's very much like having a relationship ripped away from you, particularly if you're not expecting it. And that trauma is very, very real. Unfortunately, most people who are divorced don't realize that they're actually traumatized by this experience and don't seek the help and the support that they need to be able to get through it. And it's one of the reasons why, as a parent especially, who's going through divorce, it's so difficult because of what you experience in your own trauma. But the point that I was getting at that Debbie introduced me to talk about is that vulnerability. It's important not to jump from one frying pan into another fire. Um, In my own case, I waited a year before I even thought about dating anyone else. And to my credit, that solved many problems. But unfortunately, the divorce wasn't done yet, so the situation wasn't stable. And we find that so many people who are in that point of vulnerability and instability are prime victims for being lured into and groomed into a romance scam, which are profoundly destructive. Um, There are about 20 individuals a day who commit suicide because of of romance scams, similar to the numbers of divorcees who commit suicide, ironically. So it's a very similar experience in having gone through a divorce or gone through a romance scam, financially very disruptive, and destructive, and emotionally leaves a person quite devastated at the end of that result. There are so, excuse me, so many similarities, Tim, and and we've found that women are so, I mean, and men, I, I kind of categorize all of us are so vulnerable after either a, a divorce or a sudden death, any any life trauma. Uh, is going to put us in a position of vulnerability. Um, so, Yuri, any comments on that? I mean, I, I know in your specific in your specific case, you gave yourself time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing. Yeah. Are you processing uh, what Tim said there? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of uh, of uh, Brene Brown. So yeah. I, I keep hearing vulnerability, and I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I think there's two sides to vulnerability. I mean, there's a really good side, which is uh, to connect with other people, it's important to to be vulnerable. But I understand the 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 the, the, the other part that which is what what Tim is mentioning right now about being being vulnerable in the moment. I think also something that really helped me was focusing on my daughters at the time. I mean, it was not just me that was going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. They were young teenagers and they were going through wow major traumas in their life. Probably the first huge one in their lives, you know. And um, so I was, I was really trying to, 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 to focus on being there for them, helping them. And I think uh, it, it was my provision to, to, to stand still, to wait, and to, and to just uh, provide for healing. You know, because right at the beginning, I, I just really needed to focus on them. 
I didn't even have time to consider me because uh, so much was happening around, so much was happening, I mean, so much disruption in their lives and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think I, I look back and I'm really grateful, I'm, I'm thankful for all the things that happened uh, with the statistics that uh, Tim is mentioning right now. I, I mean, I really, I really feel blessed and, and grateful to God for, although it was a traumatic situation, but the ingredients in, in it uh, helped me to, to stay on course and to stay, uh, to be protected from all the different things that could have happened to me. I mean, it's, it's just incredible all the things that Tim was mentioning. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tim, so much for the for the insight there. Cause we, we're very conscious of what happens and and try to be there to support people. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough when when your trust is ripped out from underneath you uh, to come back and to trust again. And so you're a, a your hubby must be a real sweet guy. Um, I I know you're you're a wonderful lady, and and he's I'm gonna say he's lucky to have you. Uh, but it's, it goes both ways, um, and I and I, I give your give you credit for your for your kids, and um, I'm thinking too that especially those of us that have come from parents who've had long marriages. My parents are seventy something years now, are getting close to that, and the expectation for a long marriage, you know, was was always there, and when in my case the you know Lou died that kind of changed the dynamics but it was it was not a divorce where when my when my daughter got divorced the hardest thing for her was getting past that expectation of being married forever mm -hmm. and the what people what she in her mind she was thinking of you know people were judging her now because she wasn't going to have that and that's when I said you know what you can't worry about what other people are thinking you have to get through and she's got small children you have to get through every day just like you did do your very best every day and it, it will work out somehow um, and some days are going to be easier than others so to all the women out there that are going through this there is hope and Yuri I love your story I love what you're doing um, I do want to say one thing about hope and uh, I, I even think uh, Debbie that I am a better person now uh, 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 just because of what happened to me. I mean, it's at the moment uh, everything looks so dark and like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And then now I look back in retrospect and I and I think I, I literally thought I was going to die. I mean, I I couldn't see the light. And then and now I look at it and I think I mean, of course it was tough. It was tough as anything, but uh, you know, this too shall pass. Everything everything goes by. And, and, and leaving stuff behind so that I can uh, receive the newness of life that is being offered me, given by, by God. It, it's an amazing thing. I mean, I, I actually don't think I would be doing what I'm doing right now had I, had I continued doing what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. So uh, having found this, this amazing guy, uh, we build each other up, we, we edify each other up. Uh, and, and one of my the, the things that I love doing is uh, mentoring uh, and coaching uh, professional millennials because to me that's that's part of my legacy being able to to help them in in, in their personal and professional uh, situations uh, everybody in general but that's a, uh, a group that's very close to my heart I guess it's because of my daughters and because I love their friends and and, and, I, and I just love uh, you know uh, hanging out with with all their friends and uh, so yeah, I I, um, I have grown so much because of everything I, I went through, and and literally, I'm not 
I'm not the same person now as I was before. My mother, my daughters will tell you, Mom, you've changed so much. You're, you're so much, you're, you're more open now. You're more uh, relatable now. You're not legalistic. Uh, you're not, uh, and, uh, and it's just beautiful. I'm so proud of my girls and also our two boys. I mean, I, I actually have more family now because Victor has two boys of his own, so we have four, four in total. And, uh, and it is a privilege to have found my purpose in life. And, and because of everything that I went through, uh, that definitely contributed to to uh, to inspiring me to do what I'm doing now, and uh, and and had I not gone through everything I did, I don't think I would I, I would have grown as much as I have. So thank you so much for having me on your program, uh, Debbie, and thank you Tim for for the insights and uh, and the, and the, the information. Uh, yeah. You are one of my wow women, which means <laughs> a woman of wisdom. And I love what you're doing uh, and your insight, too. And, and just like me, you know, the things that have happened to us have led us to our, our passion and our mission and our purpose. And, you know, I, I hope that our young women will really listen and, and open up because we do have a lot of experience and we're, we're only looking out for their best interest. So thank you so much for being my guest. I told you that hour was going to fly by. So, so thanks, everybody, for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you've been a victim of a scam or a cyber, cyber crime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, and we're here to support scam victims worldwide. If you can make a small donation, please visit our website, and I will put that up on the show. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in your hands and feet, check out our Benfotemian products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks everybody for being here today. Go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com for additional information and resources. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays of this show. Have a great day and until next week, take care everybody. Thank you.